Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for September 16th, 2017. And uh, Matt and I were just talking before we recorded. Like, we're getting to a point in the season where it's just becoming so much more difficult to play baseball DFS. Not because, like, the contests or anything are harder, but there's just teams now, they take starters out earlier uh, in terms of, like, starting pitchers. There are other teams also who are just resting a lot of players. There's teams like that are uh, the Orioles tonight. They were down by a lot of runs and just in the sixth and seventh inning literally took out like all nine of their starters, which isn't going to happen at any point in the season. One, because the benches aren't deep enough. That's what happens now. There's 40-man rosters. Uh, teams also, because the 40-man rosters have a lot more bullpen pitchers, so there's a lot more pitching changes. So starting pitchers come out earlier and relievers come in. And then you got you, uh, just a ton of lefty-righty matchups, teams bringing in a lefty reliever just to face one left-handed hitter, which leads to a pinch hitter. And it just I just don't like this part of the season. So we're getting to a point where I'm definitely going to be playing a lot less and probably pretty close to just being almost done with baseball DFS for the season, at least until, uh, unless there's like a really good slate or something like that. But definitely right now I'm looking, starting to look forward to basketball season and I, I don't think this is a good slate tomorrow. There, there will be some slates where I'll say, like, okay, this is a really good slate and I like it a lot. Uh, this is not going to be one of them. So we have, we'll start like usual at the top. Chris Sale, 13,100 pitching against the Rays. The Rays, one of the worst teams in baseball against left-handed pitching, strike out a ton against lefties. Chris Sale obviously has been one of the best, if not the best pitchers in baseball this year. He's the one play I look at and feel really confident on the slate. Do you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, just to comment on the other stuff that you said, on the bonus episode that I did a couple days ago, we talked about the September issues with DFS at length. So if anyone wants to listen to that and hear in more detail um, the full analysis of that sort of thing, uh, check that out. But I do sort of agree with you. I think tonight was kind of the final straw for me playing at normal volume where the Rangers down 10-4 in the seventh inning took out five of their starters in a game where they actually are competing for a playoff spot. Um, Just very odd that they would give up on the game so quickly. I mean, Adrian Beltre getting lifted for a pinch runner makes a ton of sense because he uh, just got back off the DL and he's pretty old and they don't want him to risk further injury. But taking out the rest of the guys just, I don't know, it's really unpredictable. And I think that there could be some value there because of the unpredictability where you can kind of fade a pitcher that has a ton of ownership. Uh, I think that that's more likely to work on a smaller slate, though. And uh, it's a, it's really hard to play these gigantic slates because there's so much more uncertainty. And uh, you're not going to see a pitcher more than 50% on a slate with 14 or 15 games. So I think at this point, uh, the slates that I'm actually going to play the heaviest on are the ones with fewer games where you can really go contrarian and try to take advantage of a high-owned pitcher. But for the most part, I think... It, as we get further and further into September, it's going to be really hard to continue to play baseball the same way just because uh, the teams are using so many different players. And for other reasons you said, the matchups become more difficult. Lots of lefty specialists in the game hurting left-handed batting. And uh, just players coming out is really annoying. So we'll talk about this slate anyway. And I do agree with you that Chris Sale is the best spot just because he's the best pitcher. Uh, he doesn't cost too much more than the second and third highest price guys, but he's way better than Robbie Ray and Luis Severino. Uh, the Rays probably will sit a lot of their regulars because they've been doing that a ton against lefties in September, and uh, their their regulars are mostly left-handed anyway, so it makes sense for them to throw in some young righties. But none of those guys are particularly good, and the lefties that do play 
Uh, they strike out a lot. The Rays strike out a ton as a team. So Sale is the safest. Boston still needs to win to keep pace with um, the Yankees in the division who are still in the race. Uh, Boston hasn't come close to clinching the division yet. Uh, so they definitely care about this game. It's not like Chris Sale is going to just pitch five innings and come out because they're up a couple runs. Uh, they're going to let him pitch for a while, and I think we have good evidence for this, that he pitched against Tampa a couple weeks ago, and they had a 9 nothing lead early in the game. And Sale still, uh Yeah, that was his most recent start. Uh, they let Sale still pitch. I think it was six innings because he was only at 90-something pitches. So maybe his pitch count ends up being slightly lower, but I think it's still enough where I'm comfortable using him. Uh, and I can't really say the same about too many other pitchers that are going. Yeah, so it's it's really hard also because when we talk about the offenses, there's a ton of really expensive offense is just against really shitty pitchers that make a ton of sense. But outside of sale, there's not a single pitcher that I really feel decent about. So I think the other guys that are usable are going to be Jeff Samarja at 8,500 at home against the Diamondbacks. I don't really love that spot. The Diamondbacks are a tough offense now since they acquired J.D. Martinez. They've been one of the better offenses in baseball. But Samarja is still a high strikeout pitcher at home at AT&T Park. So that's something to like. And then J.A. Happ, 7,400. You can't call him J.A. though because the A is silent. We already talked about this. I've been doing it too. It's just J.A. <laughs> if he wants his name to be pronounced J, then he has to spell it right. He spells his name wrong. <laughs> He wants to be called J. I, I agree. He spells it wrong. His name is spelled J. Period A. Period. That's J. A. The A is silent. Yeah, it's like D. A. I don't know why this is the random first person, but D. A. Points the golfer isn't Da points. He's D. A. Points. J. A. Half is J. A. Half. He's not J. Half. Spell his name however. <laughs> Spell his name like an idiot. Uh, but either way, he's still a decent DFS play tomorrow. <laughs> so is. 7,400 against Minnesota. We talked about this before. Minnesota, much worse against lefties than they are against righties. And then also a lot of their left-handed numbers are based on Miguel Sano being in the lineup. Uh, Sano still on the DL. Actually, a report came out today that he might be out for the rest of the year. He has issues running still with the bad calf. So J.A. Happ at 7,400. Also, another guy strikes out about eight and a half hitters per nine innings. Uh, it's not ideal on the road against Minnesota, even though Minnesota's worse against lefties than righties. It's not like there's some terrible offense against lefties. They're just below average. So I, I think it's a usable spot for J Hap, J A Hap. <laughs> but is there anybody else that really interests you? No, I agree with you on Samarja and Hap. I think that they're both mildly underpriced. I think uh, they're both usable, but this isn't one of those spots for Samarja where we're saying, wow, he's just so cheap. He's a he's an all-in must-play. This is the best spot of the entire night. I think wasn't, Sam- he, wasn't he cheaper than this like at home against the Padres two starts ago or something? Yes, I think so. I'm pretty sure he, he's been cheaper in both of his recent Padres starts. He's, he was cheaper against the White Sox, uh, I guess because he – did poorly against the White Sox. DraftKings decided to make him more expensive. I don't really understand. I was hoping that we could get Samarja in this spot against the Diamondbacks, who have been really good offensively over the last week or so, uh, and just pretty good overall since um, AJ Pollock came back off the DL and uh, since they traded for JD Martinez. They've been a really good offense for the last month or so. I was hoping that we could get Samarja for cheaper, but I think he, I still think he's usable. I still think he's a little too cheap, but I don't love the spot either. And for Hap, I think maybe he's just. He's slightly underpriced. I don't think there's a ton of upside there. Um, Hap doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. 
And it's not like the Twins are a terrible offense, but I think he um, he probably has as good of a chance to hit value as anyone, and uh, maybe his upside is something like 20 points, where uh, he's pretty likely to get the win, too, and that's something we'll talk about with the Blue Jays going against Bartolo Colon. Um, so I think he's got a pretty high floor, but I don't think it's a great spot either. Um, those are my two favorite pitchers outside of Sale. The other guys that we mentioned, um, well, first I'll mention someone who's not usable, who has a very alarming price that... I think he was the first guy that jumped out to both of us for this slate. Is James Paxton at only 6300 which is probably at least $2,000 cheaper than he's been in his entire career at any point. But he's on a pitch count, I think, of about 50. So he's just not usable. Uh, there's no way that he can – I mean, maybe he can hit value over 50 pitches. But uh, the upside is completely capped, and uh, I have no interest there. Um, so the other pitcher that we'll talk about who I think could be usable is Sean Newcomb because of the strikeout upside and because of how bad the Mets are. And Newcomb is only 6,700, but he's not very good, uh, mostly because of the walks. And it's really hard for him to go deep in games because he walks so many hitters. And even when he does get outs, he's deep in counts because uh, he throws a lot of balls. So Newcomb, I think there's some upside there if he happens to have a game where his control is better than usual. But that's that's a tough guy to use because uh, there's a lot of risk with him, too. Um, He gets hit kind of hard, but the walks really uh, make him very blow-up prone, puts guys on base, and it just takes a couple swings, and then he's given up a bunch of runs already and is out of the game early. So I think Newcomb is in play, but he's definitely um, less preferable compared to the other guys that we talked about already. Yeah, I definitely, I just, I prefer Hap for only $700 more, and then Samarja at $1,800 more. I just think both of those guys are better plays for their price than Newcomb. So we'll get into the offenses, and I guess we'll start with the one that you just mentioned. That's the Blue Jays at home against Bartolo Colon. So one of the reasons that the Blue Jays are really interesting in this matchup is because it's difficult to find an offense that fits together with a sale-half combination or with a uh, – oh, actually, I just realized I messed up. It's the uh, Blue Jays on the road against Bartolo Colon. But either way, the Blue Jays are one of the only offenses that are in a really good spot that fit together with like a sale half combination. And the other thing also is that there is a little bit of correlation between Hap and the Blue Jays offense because if the Blue Jays do happen to score a lot of runs, then that's more likely for Hap to get the win. And if Hap is able to get the win at a seventy four hundred price tag, he's probably hitting value and paying off that salary. Yeah, I think this is my favorite route to go for this slate, and uh, I think. I definitely won't sit this slate out because I think this particular route is good enough to at least make it worth playing at low volume and just using only um, this methodology for playing it, just sail and half with the Blue Jays. Uh, this is as cheap as the Blue Jays have been in a little while, and they've faced some pretty bad pitching. Uh, Cologne isn't the worst guy that they've faced. Uh, they faced the Tigers a few times last week, and I think Chad Bell's probably worse, and uh, I don't know, maybe Annabelle Sanchez is worse. The Tigers have a lot of pitchers that are worse than Bartolo Colon, and I don't think Colon is nearly the worst pitcher in baseball, but he's definitely well below average, if not terrible. And to see Josh Donaldson at only 4,200 against him is pretty nuts. Uh, Justin Smoke's the most expensive guy at 4,700, and then everyone else is below 4,000. Richard Urania has been batting leadoff for Toronto. He's only 3,100. That could be the player that I use by far the most, I think. I think it could be worth using him in every single lineup. But overall, this is just a really cheap offense, and it's going to be pretty easy to make stacks of them. The only issue that is, it's an issue we almost always have at Toronto is that Justin Smoke and Kendris Morales both play first base, so you can't use 
two of their best power hitters together. Uh, but if you make enough stacks, you can just sort of mix the exposure there. And uh, the Morales stacks specifically are going to be really cheap because uh, he's 1,100 less than Smoke. But overall, I just really like this offense. And I think they're going to be by far the offense I use the most. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's just so many offenses that are in really good spots that I just don't know what to make of them. Because, that, that, I mean, like, the Rockies at home against uh, against Clayton Richard. Richard. Then the Yankees against, uh, who is pitching against them? So it is Gabriel Yano against the Yankees, Nick Martinez against the Angels, uh, what was uh, and then okay, so the Dodgers against Edwin Jackson is another really good spot. And the other thing is the Dodgers are actually usable as a stack with Sale and Hap or with Sale and Samarja if you don't roster Cody Bellinger, because Bellinger is five thousand one hundred, but Turner's only forty two hundred, Corey Seager forty one hundred, uh, uh, Chris Taylor's thirty seven hundred. Yasiel Puig, 3,900. So I think that that's another offense that's worth stacking. And I'm going to assume that there aren't going to be too many people that make Dodger stacks that don't include Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, how hard it, how hard would it be to use Bellinger and then just fade either Turner or Seager and then make, uh, make a lineup that has just the rest of the guys? Is that doable or does that not fit within the salary restrictions? But I don't even think I'd want to do that because just because of the price difference. Like Bellinger at 5,100 versus Turner at 4,200 and Seager at 4,100. Like, Turner and Seager are the same price as the rest of the guys in that lineup. Yeah, I guess if you made a bunch of Dodger stacks, it would make sense to get Bellinger in some of them, but he would definitely be the Dodgers player I would have the least exposure to because of the price tag. That makes sense, though, and I also think the Dodgers will be very, very low-owned. Uh, not only is it a 14-game slate, but the Dodgers' offense has been horrible for the last, like, three weeks or so. Uh, so I don't, I don't think too many people are using them. But against Edwin Jackson, there's a ton of upside. They get a park upgrade playing in Washington compared to LA. That's um, it's a much more, it's a stronger hitting environment by a lot. So that's um, it's about the same price per player as the uh, Blue Jays stack. So I think that those <clears throat> I think those are fairly similar spots. I like the Blue Jays more, but the Dodgers are close, and I think that, that in lineups with Sale, that would be the team I would stack the second most. Uh, so there's no other offenses that I really like that fit together with Sale Samarja or Sale Hap. Are there any other ones that you think work? No, I don't think so. I guess I'll mention the ones that fit with a Hap Samarja pitching combo. You already briefly touched on a couple of them, but the Yankees have a very high expected output against Gabriel Yanoa. Um, I would imagine they have a ton of ownership. The Vegas line for that game is minus 240, and the total is at 9. Uh, it actually opened at 8, and it's jumped a full run already. So it looks like a lot of people are betting on the Yankees. I would think the sharp action is kind of on the Yankees too, or at the very least it's just on both sides because I think uh, there might be some sort of undervaluing going on with the Orioles' offense against Severino, who's been good lately, and the Orioles have been bad lately. I think public perception is that uh, the Orioles' offense is bad, and I think Severino will have high usage. But this isn't saying I want to stack the Orioles. I'm just saying a lot of people are going to use offense in the Yankee game. So I think that's going to be a fade, even if it's lineups without sale. Because a lot of people are using them, and ownership is less significant on a 14-game slate, but it definitely is somewhat significant. Um, I don't really know how the ownership will shake out for the Rockies against Clayton Richard at home. I would think Arenado gets a ton. Maybe Trevor Story gets a ton. 
That's a really hard game to fade, though, just because Richard is bad. He's a lefty. The Rockies are pretty good against lefties, and they're really good at home at Coors Field. That's got to be the offense that has the highest expected output, I would think, by a mile. I mean, the Padres might have decent expected output against Tyler Chatwood, but there's there's no one close to the Rockies here. So, I don't know. If you can mix in some Rockies with your Blue Jays or Dodgers stacks, that could be doable. But stacking the Rockies, you're not going to be able to use Chris Sale. And uh, I'm just pulling up their prices now. But even if you're not using Sale, they're, they're still pretty expensive. So, the, the Rockies that I think do make sense to use as plugs. Uh, Trevor Story is only 4,200. He is day-to-day, but if he's in the lineup, he's really good against lefties. His platoon splits are insane. So I would use Story. I would consider Mark Reynolds and DJ LeMay. You at 4,400 each, but 5,500 for Blackman, I think is just too much. 5,400 for Arenado, though, I mean, I think it's a fair price for him. Maybe it's even a little too low because he's so good against lefties and Clayton Richard isn't a good one. But I think... Dollar for dollar, there are just better spots like the Toronto and Dodgers spots and maybe even the Yankees if you disregard ownership. So I think the route to go is definitely with the mid-priced offenses that are undervalued here and then using Chris Sale because he's by far the best pitcher on the slate. So I have nothing else to add. That's going to finish today's podcast, and we'll be back next week. You can follow me on Twitter, GRMRDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense. We also put up the football podcast yesterday, so if you haven't listened to that, you could listen to that over the weekend and get ready for Sunday's games.